Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this is Storymakers Story Show. Show. And this is Quick Fix Q&A. And we have three questions today that we're going to zip through. And the first is, I'm trying to teach myself to write dialogue, which I haven't done a lot of. Any tips? Sure. Lots of tips. Dialogue is a fantastic way to... Um, Give your readers a sense that they know what's happening and they understand it by using a not-on-the-nose dialogue. Um, and it lets them feel smart when you do it that way. So that's also important. So why, maybe can you define on-the-nose? So on-the-nose dialogue is, I'm so mad right now. I am so mad. As opposed to, um, you know, I really want to thank you for the contributions you made to tonight's dinner. <laughs> And those are very different, but you do understand them, and uh, you understand that they probably share a similar subtext, but one of them just has text and very little sub. Mm. And it makes your readers, I think, feel smarter when they can feel emotionally what's happening um, rather than being told through the dialogue. Well, and also, we are such... For we are creatures who read for extra meanings. You know, mm-hmm. we read for for underlying meanings. We're we're very good at sussing out what's really going on, right? And so it is a pleasure to bring that to the to the reading and to see from other cues mm-hmm. and clues on the page what it, what is really underlying what, what's being talked about. Yeah. So I'm actually gonna pick a couple of people who are uh, smarter than I who have two different uh, ideas about dialogue. And the first one is actually Cornelia Nixon, and I had the privilege of learning from her while I was at Mills. And she always said dialogue should do two things. And I think that's true. Not two specific things, but more than one thing. uh, Well, at least two things, I think. And the idea was that it's moving the story forward, uh, as well as telling you something about character. So it isn't just that I'm not directly telling you that I'm mad, but what I choose to express that feeling with indirectly tells you a lot about what kind of person I am. Whether I give you that tonal cue, whether I completely fake it and you have no idea that I'm upset, all of those things tell you a lot about character. So dialogue is an opportunity to... Have your character make a choice and have that choice have a consequence, but also allow your reader to learn something more about the character. Absolutely. And then Pilar Alessandra, who is one of my favorites, often suggests that people write their script with on-the-nose dialogue so that you don't actually get caught up too much in trying to get that perfect dialogue. And then when you go back and you're ready to make your edit, you know what you're meaning to say, but it under a lot less stress. So then you can really focus on the dialogue piece. And that's more for screenwriting, but I think it's a great tip for it might also work well. very well for writers of prose. And we'll put links to both of those um, teachers and uh, creators. Um, Pilar has a podcast called On the Page. On the Page, we'll put a link to that as well. Um, yeah, no, I, I love both of those observations. And I just want to add, as we're talking about subtext, that some of the ways to get that in in prose include um, mixing in 
what what Robert Owen Butler calls sensate selectivity, you know, details that are sent, selected to create mood and tone and so mm-hmm. forth. So, um, so when the person says thank you so much for uh, what the, your contributions to dinner tonight, you know, um, is she slamming dishes into the sink is she carefully lining up uh you know the baby salt shakers that were one at each seat you know um like what are the actions that that character Mm -hmm. is taking which again bring us um the you know the sub bring us our one way of bringing us well it's it's that body language right so much of our experience of communication as people is body language Mm -hmm. and not just what's said verbally so you're absolutely i love that Drawing attention to what is the physicality of the moment that helps your reader understand more. Yeah, I mean, all the, th- all the things an actor brings to the screenplay, the writer has to bring to the page. So what are the silences? What are the beats? And those happen through the interruption of you know, the, the, the spoken words with images, actions, observations, thoughts. Even just the tag, he said or she said, can create that, that beat that um, that shows us something of what's going on with the character. So, for for example, um, can I call you, honey? He said sweetly. Those are um... <laughs> and not that, but the he said. Can mm-hmm. I call you? He said, honey, is different than can I call you, honey? He said. Right. Right. No, no. I was just joking. There's that thing called Tom Swifties. Right. You right. Spend a That's lot of time something else. Something else. Yeah. <laughs> Avoid Tom Swifties if you're wanting sort of to be taken seriously. One of the great things about dialogue, um, and we will talk about it more in future episodes, but it's one of the, to me, most sort of learnable things because there's some things you can do. I mean, subtext is a great element of dialogue, but things like repetition, words or phrases that bounce back and forth between two characters are, are great. Um, you know, Dennis Johnson in, in uh, Jesus' Son has some great dialogue where you just see the, the way that repetition plays um, so beautifully. I mean, lots of people use that. Um, go ahead. But our, our questioner was asking sort of a basic starting point, And I think some of the, because um, you and I can go down a path for sure. It's a rich, wonderful topic. Um, so just to make some concrete suggestions for someone re-evaluating their work or coming to it for the first time. Uh, I think if you haven't written it on the nose, go ahead and identify what it is you're really trying to communicate with it. And then go back and, and get creative. And again, like you said, use that opportunity that when you're looking at your work to grab those concrete, sensate details that ground uh, the reader in the physicality of the moment. And the create rhythm, which is the other, I think, key thing yeah. about dialogue. Great. Next question. I am completing my first full manuscript draft on a book of historical nonfiction and will have more opportunities to add color. I worry that I occasionally stray into fiction as I try to make my characters full and complex, and all my main characters are living. Oh. <laughs> so we can't fictionalize them the way you can fictionalize the dead. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and assume that you have whatever clearances you need uh, to be writing about what you're writing about. But beyond that, what's your first thought, Elizabeth? Well, this is one of those lines that fascinates me, and in fact, is is a theme of my the novel I just finished. Um, you know, because as Grace Paley so beautifully put it, any story told twice is fiction. So the idea that there's kind of a singular truth 
um, when you are writing about memory, to me is already uh, more than suspect. It's almost, it's absurd. I mean, you think again to like the, the blind men and the elephant, right? Like everybody has their perspective. So one of the things is I think owning your perspective and owning that this is your perspective. Um, but, but when you're talking about adding color, right? So adding color, adding scene, um, I will say too, people, you know, different experts, different part, you know, sort of, uh, purveyors of nonfiction, what practice practitioners of nonfiction, uh, fall in different places on this. Almost everybody allows, um, for, dialogue to be invented going back to dialogue um not maybe not in like a newspaper obviously but in memoir you know that you're recreating dialogue with the flavor of the character with the the sense of what has said but not that you remember word by word what was said but you get to create it anyway because you do want that color and you do want that scene but i i think for for me that where where i've come down on this is you pick the rules for your book as you do for any aspect of any book you convey them to the reader. You create a promise by doing so. And in nonfiction, you can be very overt about it. You can say in your introduction, or you can even say in the text itself, you know, I imagine this. Or you can say, you know, um, as uh, Gretchen Atwood talked about last time, you know, I, I, I imagined some of the details of this particular scene. So um, that's, I think, the best anyone can do. Because you do need scene, and you do need color, and you do need details. You can research them, too. I mean, absolutely do as much as you can. Right. I think that um, it is one of those things where, you know, I've heard people discuss, what was your, as a writer of nonfiction, as a memoirist, what was your emotional truth? And that, for some people, is the litmus test of truthiness. Mm -hmm. Um, If, If you're there. But what if you weren't there? If you weren't there, I do, and it, and the people are still alive. I think you're in a <laughs> you ask them. <laughs> you're in a dicey place because you don't want to put your project to the whims of other people, and at the same time, you don't want to put yourself to the whims of libel. And so, and we are not lawyers, and this is not legal advice, right? Um, but I do think you ha- you run a chance, a higher chance of having someone respond to it. Now, if this is something that hasn't been published yet or different things finish your project always finish your project first and then figure it out so if you know there are some people you know like in my family I can imagine some people who would be much more uncomfortable with the idea that I was recreating scenes Um, and then others would uh, feel more comfortable with the kind of flexibility that it would require to go back and do it Um, But after you're done, after you've done your part, you can then show it to people. If you want, you can get it vetted. But the other thing it reminds me of is um, you can interview people for those kinds of specific details, for for the added color, um, because right. as when you're interviewing people for fiction, you can do research for fiction as well. And you're but you're asking something different than about facts. You're asking. Do you remember gestures? Do you remember the way someone moved? What were they wearing? What was the light like? I mean, anything. And you can also go back and look up the weather on a particular day and bring that sense of detail in. So there are particular ways you can research in order to get some of those details. And I was actually just looking through the bookshelves here trying to find... uh, There's a book, I believe, called Inventing the Truth that Mm -hmm. definitely sort of takes on this question and looks at it. So, uh, you know... With, with all work, whether you're recreating someone's real life or writing your own, you have to 
kind of come up with your own moral set. And so I think that um, even if you're writing fiction, you do have a responsibility to think about what it is you're creating and putting out in the world. And then own it and do it. Yeah. Question number three, how do I begin doing more creative writing? You write more. <laughs> this is the sort of the Zen cone question that everybody has, right? How do I begin doing more? Yeah. I just, you know, it's interesting. I, I've been listening as I've walked the dog to the Ken Robinson book, The Element. And one of the things that really strikes me on that is, you know, one, we all have to be exposed to things in order to find something that fits with us. And sometimes I think people start writing because it's the thing that's available rather than being the best fit Mm. for who they are as a person. Mm. Um, But let us say that for you, writing is that thing, your element. I would suggest that you figure out what you're not going to do. In order to get that done. That reminds me of, of Brian Tracy's, um, and he, I think he tells a story and some, you know, he's talking to the most successful business people or whatever, but they say, you know, figure out the price you have to pay for the thing you want and get busy paying that price. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what that reminds me of. You know, where, what are you going to give up mm-hmm. to do this? It might be an extra half hour of sleep. In the morning, um, it might be uh, self doubt. <laughs> right, and it's a complicated. Hour. It's actually on the on the surface, it seems like a very easy question, but it's in fact a quite a complicated one because it also speaks to human motivation and the psychology of artists. Um, so you know, step one: Are you being honest with yourself about how much you could be doing? Are you being honest with yourself about how much you want to do? The other might be that, you know, instead of actually writing more, you set an expectation for yourself that is well within your grasp so that you don't have to fight that feeling of not getting done what you'd like to get done. And finally, whenever you, whatever you pick, and even if it's, you know, I have my students set a goal for the week and, um, and, and they're kind of learning what the right goal is and all that, but whatever you pick stop having the conversation with yourself about it. If you're going to get up at six and write for half an hour, when six comes, don't start discussing with yourself whether you actually are going to do it and whether you really should do something else and whether you really are tired and whether, you know, you just do it. And that's been the most breakthrough element for me is to stop. No, absolutely. But it's an incredibly difficult thing. It, it sounds very easy. It's simple, but not easy. It's right. one of those things. That's what it is. Well, this has been Quick Fix Q&A. Links to the different books and things we mentioned will be at storymakersshow.com. And this podcast is available on Stitcher and iTunes, and we would love it if you would review us there. And also remember, if you have questions burning in your writer's soul, write to us at questions at storymakersshow.com, and we'll be sure to include your questions 